Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous communities from around the region and country. This week we're going to do things a little different, and I first want to apologize for the clickbait-like title to this episode, uh, and also um, sort of the, um, uh, the sensationalism of, uh, of a title called the Oscar Howe Confessional. Um, the, the reason behind the, the title of this episode is nothing salacious, uh, nothing salacious against Oscar Howe, um, but it's about the program, the Oscar Howe Summer Art Institute, and my experience with the program. As with this June, as with last June, and the, the foreseeable future of when we're doing the podcast during the month of June, we're going to acknowledge the the program, the summer, the Oscar Howe Summer Art Institute, and its sister program, the Northern Plains Summer Art Institute. Uh, these programs are aimed um, not just at educating young Native American high school students and college students, but it's it's a direct legacy of Oscar Howe, the artist. And really, the the program, in a sense, is a genesis to the modern Northern Plains art tradition, because so many of the leaders, the art, the artistic leaders of the movement, are students of Oscar Howe, or were students from that program, either in the 60s, in the 90s, the 2000s, uh, and, and moving forward. And so I, I think it's important to acknowledge what's happening uh, in those programs. And this isn't, um, this isn't a, uh, a promotion for the programs. It's not, um, you know, they're, they're not paying for this programming. They haven't, I haven't even talked to USD about um, doing this episode about the program. But I th- recognize the the importance of what it does, and even it's the direct cont- um, contributions to my life, uh, both as a student and sort of the arc that occurred from that experience. And so, this program isn't necessarily um, this podcast isn't necessarily uh, about myself, and I've been pretty good so far not to make this a. Uh, a platform about my experience and myself, but um, over the last several months, um, you know, things have occurred in my life where I think maybe it's is important to give you, the listener, a little perspective on maybe who this host is and why I focus on Native American artists and why we reference Oscar Howe so often in so many episodes. And I think I, I maybe owe it to you to talk a little bit about myself. And I'm going to kind of keep it within the scope of, of this program. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about just my experience with this program this week. And in a week or so, we're going to talk about the Northern Plains Summer Art Institute. And maybe a little surprise in between. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that a little later. So within the Northern Plains Native American art movement, um, there is a a sort of connecting point to the artist, and that's Oscar Howe. Uh, you know, he received his training uh, in at the University of Oklahoma in the 1930s, and 
through uh, through his his education, through his work experience, uh, eventually leading to the University of South Dakota. Um, he was able to put together a platform where he could educate Native American students that necessarily didn't have access to um, college instruction or college influence. And he recognized that there was a void there. And so he used his position, along with the efforts of uh, the administration of USD at that time, uh, to put this program together. And this episode is not going to be a... Um, telling of his life. Uh, better, more informed people have put those together and those are out there. And I think I might do something next week to, to honor that. But right now, um, I'm going to touch lightly on what the program is and how I'm sort of in this narrative as well. Um, Oscar Howe uh, influenced a generation of the 1960s. From 1960 to 1970, he had this program. And out of that program came a number of, of amazing and fantastic students, um, uh, from Arthur Amiot to Don Monolo to my mentor and friend, Robert Penn. And Oscar Howe died in 1983. And his health had declined in the 1970s. And the program uh, hadn't happened in the throughout the 70s and after he passed away his colleague who eventually became the dean of fine arts at usdu uh, john day uh, had a conversation with robert penn and alta penn de la cruz and together through those conversations and through those efforts uh, started the, the the summer institute 30 years ago in 1991 and that program started off small. Uh, again, you know, it was it was a s- summer program, but they made sure that they talked about what w- really is the core of this program, about the Native American tr- art tradition, and they weaved it into the curriculum that Native students had a legacy. Uh, they they were part of a legacy, <clears throat> and that they weren't alone. You know, that there were people before them, men and women, who were largely unsung, but had worked hard to create a narrative um, in Native American art, the Native American story, the indigenous story. And that's important for young people to, to know their history and to know the movers and shakers of, of their past. So they understand that their place within this this continuum. And that's sort of, in a sense, how I was brought into the program. Um, I was a young, I was a teenager in the early 90s. And um, I was, I was bullied pretty hard. I, I was an awkward kid. I was, I, I am half Native American, I'm half Indigenous and half white. And it's not easy growing up like that on the reservation because when I went to the tribal school, I was the white kid. And when I went to the public school, I was the Indian kid. And I, I frankly, I would get beat up both places. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to make it through school. And by my freshman year, I had been harassed constantly. And uh, I was kind of coming to my wit's end of what to do. And because I had always been a good kid and I, I didn't 
I didn't know how to continue forward being a good kid and yet still continue to be harassed and bullied and beaten up by, um, by numerous uh, different boys uh, during that time. And I had a teacher at the school who recognized that I was um, somewhat artistically uh, uh, prone, I suppose. Um, I drew more than the other kids. And of course, that was me sort of falling into myself, trying to protect myself. And one day she was in the superintendent's office and she looked in the waste paper basket and she saw a brochure for the Oscar Howe Summer Art Institute. And she immediately thought of me. She knew I was half Native American. So she pulled it out, took a look at it. And over Christmas, it was after Christmas break. uh, She gave it to me. She suggested that I should apply. She she thought it would be good for me. And so I took it, I read it. It looked kind of neat, but I mean... My self-esteem at that time, my self-worth was so low, there, there was just no way they were going to accept me. So I remember leaving it in the house, in uh, the dining room, and it just, that's kind of where it sat off to the side there. And months passed, and my mom and my dad had been bugging me about applying for that program. And part of the application process is putting together your artwork. And I had done a lot of little comic book drawings uh, up in my room and figured that would probably be what I would submit. But I kind of ignored it, then I forgot about it. And one night, South Dakota Public Radio um, played an episode, I think it was like a half-hour episode, maybe it was an hour episode, on the Lakota artist Robert Penn, who up until that point, I had no idea who that was. And in that time, in the early 90s, there were not a lot of biographies on current active, successful, I suppose successful, Native Americans. Unless you were Billy Mills or Jim Thorpe or Sitting Bull, you didn't have your story told in uh, the media, in the, in the public realm. Um, those, were, those stories were relevated to uh, gold medal winners, heroes, people who had done really great things. And... I had seen this, and, and Mr. Penn, um, this artist, Robert Penn, seemed kind of relatable. He lived in South Dakota. He was an artist. Um, he, I remember just seeing footage of him walking sort of in the trees or something along a river. I, I can't recall. It's been 30 years since I've seen the episode. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when, it was my, when it was done, my dad said, I, I think you need to fill that out and send that in. And that's what I did. And month or so goes by I didn't think about it and then I got a letter in the mail and they had accepted me and I was so excited I couldn't believe that I actually got accepted to something that they thought that maybe my work was good enough to to be a part of this program and I um a couple months later I I, you know the program started in June or maybe it was a month later I don't recall anymore and I remember going down there to USD and there was uh, another camp called Upward Bound happening and so there were what felt like hundreds of Native American kids at the University of South Dakota and I was kind of overwhelmed because I I didn't realize that there were other camps and I got nervous because my experience at my previous tribal school um, I got harassed a lot and I was really scared that I was going to get harassed here and so um, it was pretty clear uh, that the the Oscar Howe program was a separate, smaller thing. And we were over in the art building while the Upward Bound students were in the dormitory and sort of on campus elsewhere. And 
I, the first couple days I hid in my dorm room. Um, you know, we, I go to class, I go eat with the students, you know, we'd have a few laughs, you know, but I was never the sort of the, the main attention of all the other kids. And so, you know, as, as it is with kids, you know, there's always one or two funny ones, loud ones, and everyone kind of listens and laughs along and whatnot. And I'm fine with that in the group setting. But as soon as we were done eating and it was time to just go hang out in the lounge or, or go outside or go, uh, go somewhere, um, I would duck back into my room and hide in my room. And there I would do my normal thing where I would sketch and just sort of mind my own business. I probably had a, a Walkman at the time. And after a couple of days, um, one night there was a knock at my door and I answered it and it was the popular kid, uh, within the group, this tall kid. And he asked me what I was doing. I was like, Oh, I'm just drawing. And he's like, well, Hey, come, come down to the other room. We're all in there. Come out, come hang with us. And I thought, well, this is it. This is where they're going to jump me. This is where it's going to happen. And sort of begrudgingly, I, I said, okay. And I walked into, I followed him down the hallway and went into the room. And when the door opened up, all the boys were in there. And I think it was probably between a dozen plus. There was a lot of boys in the room. And I, I thought this was it, you know. And they made a spot for me on the bed because, all the, you know, um, there was boys sitting on the beds and the chairs on the floor. Everyone was just kind of hanging out. And so I sit in there. And the guys all kind of picked up on the conversation that they were having and they carried on. And pretty soon I'm, I'm sure, you know, they're going to turn on me and they're going to start making fun of me. And, you know, cause I was shorter. And I think at that point I had put on a little bit of weight <laughs> through my depression. Um, and that didn't happen. And pretty soon, you know, uh, I was laughing with them and I realized that I was kind of in a safe place with these guys and it was kind of cool. These guys were these guys were all right. And then I started to get to know these guys, and they were goofy like me. They were kind of nerdy like me. Um, they liked the same stuff. We were talking about comic books. I think X-Men was big at the time. Um, and I realized that I was sort of among people just like me. You know, these, these were, these guys, all they want to do is artwork and goof off and, you know. And it was great. And that was it. I was hooked. And for the next two weeks, um, I had found friends that I had not had probably since fifth grade. And it was, it was great. And I started hanging out at the TV lounge with them and some of the other kids. And I remember like Beavis and Butthead was the big thing at the time, uh, MTV, the real world. And it was, it was the best. And I remember when the program was over, I didn't want to go home. And I went back to the small town and I remember I was walking down to the basketball court from my house with this new air of confidence. And I was no longer um, ashamed of myself walking down the sidewalk, being ashamed by myself, which is a weird, horrible thing. And, you know, it's high school never got easier. Um, you know, the kids were still hard on me. Uh, and I got beat up and I had countless glasses broken. Um it, it was a constant, but I knew that the next summer I would be going back to the Oscar Howe program, and that carried me through. And every every summer they kept inviting me back, and it was it was great, you know, um, to know that there were friends waiting for you. And it was you know every year, probably ninety percent were new kids, and ninety percent again the next year were new kids. 
And so there was a constant rotation of new kids. And that was okay because they were, um, they were just as cool as the kids the year before. There was always one or two, you know, that were um, a little more drama than the rest. But, you know, we, we had this shared experience. And the, the program, it's not an easy program. You know, you're, I think in the early days, they would start lectures at 8 or 9 o'clock, which for a high schooler during the summertime is not a great idea. And then you draw till noon. You eat quick. You get back to the studio and you work uh, till dinner time. You go eat. You come back and uh, you would have an open studio session. And it was intense and it was hard. And when you get close to the last day, which is a uh, exhibition, you're in the gallery working hard, trying to make sure the gallery goes up. And the counselors are all stressed because they're trying to create a product for, for uh, Dr. Day, uh, John Day. And it was great. Now, within all this, uh, Robert Penn was was an instructor during most of these years. Um, in 93, my first year there, uh, he, I, I came into the studio. Um, Don Rouleau, who just recently passed away, was the head drawing instructor. And I was kind of hoping it would be Robert Penn, but he wasn't there, and it was fine. And he... Um, Mr. Penn had a retrospective at the time at the at the main gallery, and he was going to be speaking. And so the day of his talk, we all file into the gallery, and we're all kind of sitting on the floor, and there's a stool. And he comes out, and he's he's on oxygen. He's wheeling a little cart with those green oxygen tanks. And he's got a clear, clear tube that's running up to his nose. And he sat down, and I remember seeing how exhausted he was, how winded he was just from that walk and sitting down. And he took a minute to sort of collect himself, and he was breathing and trying to draw air um, from from those tubes. And he um, he started in on his talk, and you know I, I could tell there was power in him, but he was also um, exhausted. So I wasn't quite sure what to make of that. But the next year, um, he did instruct. He was the instructor. And again, he had the oxygen tanks. Um, but he was stronger that year. And one thing I realized is that he um, he kind of had a bit of a temper. Uh, he, he barked at some of us uh, for not paying attention when we should have been. Um, once, and I've told the story a couple times now, uh, we were working on watercolors and I was looking at, uh, he had a piece uh, in this room, in, in the room there that was sort of sitting up and I was really looking at his stars that he created on this piece. And he saw me looking at the stars and he said, he asked me if I wanted to, to do something like that on, on what I was working on. And I said, yeah. So we walked over to the place where my painting was, uh, it was actually laying on the table or we laid it on the table and he said, okay, he's like, take this brush, dip it in some water and brush, brush your paper. And we're going to create a wash. And so I, I did what he said. I, I, I put some water on and he said, um, he said, someone came up and, and called him and he said, okay, I'll be right back. Just, just don't move. Just wait here. I said, okay. And <clears throat> I'm, I'm looking at the, the paper and he's been gone for a while. 
and the water, you know, the, I think it's starting to dry up and I don't want to let them down. I want this paper to be wet. So I took my brush and I put another thing of wash on there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and he doesn't come back. And I thought, okay, well, I don't know if, I don't know if he's coming back, but I should keep this paper wet. So I grabbed uh, the brush again, dipped it in water, put another wash on top. And, uh, Mr. Penn comes back and he stops and he looks at uh, the paper and he said, how much paper did you, or how much water did you put on here? He, but he said it pretty harshly and he said, just a little bit of water. You don't drown it. And it startled me because I mean, he really barked at me. And I think he noticed that I sort of flinched at this and he kind of stopped and he looked at it and kind of collected himself and he tilted his head and he's really looking at it. And he's like, you know, he's like, I think, I think this will work. Oh, I think it was a good idea that you did this. Yeah, this is going to work. And, and, um, he grabbed some salt and he, he did his thing over it and he's like, yeah, he's like, that's, that's a little different, but that's good. That's really good. And, you know, I, I think, um, in other cases I may have shied away from him, but I saw what he was trying to do and I, I saw what he was, he was trying to back away from. And after that, uh, I wanted to be around this guy and I kind of trusted him. So I knew at the end of the summer of 96, the end of that program, um, he and I, we had this moment where the program was done and the reception was finishing up and he went outside the art building and he sat down on this, on the sidewalk and uh, I went outside with him and I sat down with him and we were just talking and, and he asked me if I was coming to school the next year. And I said, yeah, I was. And he said, good, good. He's like, when you come out here, come, come see me out the farm. Uh, you know, I want, I want you to, to be out there and working with me and Alta. And I said, okay. And so that's what happened. Um, fall of 96, I went to USD and he was, he was out there and I was fortunate because that first year in college, I, I spent, uh, almost every week out there with him, um, you know, there's a couple of us guys that would go out there, uh, not all the time. Uh, usually I would go by myself or another guy would come along and, um, you know, it was good. And by the time, by the time, uh, our time was, was up, we were working on a studio and I think the three of us were working on the studio and, um, you know, I, my time at USD wasn't all great and, uh, I, decided that I wanted to be more of an illustrator and to get into storyboarding, which is something that USD uh, uh, didn't offer, doesn't offer. And I knew I had to go out to California. So, uh, and I'll save that story for another time. But I, um, when I came back to visit, uh, he had just passed away four days before and I missed him. I missed him by four days. And so I never really got to say, uh, what, what all that meant to me. Um, and this is, uh, he, he, he was comatose. He was still alive for a year, but he never regained consciousness or he wasn't able to regain consciousness. That wasn't going to be possible. So, you know, the, the relationships formed, uh, in equal parts, um, Robert Penn and equal parts, John Day, who was the dean of that program, who really carried the legacy of Oscar Howe forward. Um, 
and I'll talk more about John Day uh, later. But you know those those experiences, uh, Mr. Penn, Alta, John Day, really influenced the arc of my life. Um, you know, it, it took a while. You know, and life gets in the way and things happen. But long story short, that's kind of where you and I have have come together because I feel it's important that we focus on artists, people who are out there making it happen, who may not get their voices heard. And I, I hope that I'm not the only one doing this a year, two years from now, 10 years from now. I hope that we are able to cover people that I don't even know who are out there. But my hope is that, you know, you, through the course of uh, our time together, you've heard perspectives and voices of people that you may not have heard before or would have heard. And hopefully you gain some value from that. And, you know, that's that's why I, 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 I do this, not not to sound self-righteous or, or, or whatnot, but that's 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 why. And, you know, this, this isn't an easy program to put together. Um, a lot of times, uh, because of scheduling and timing, um, you know, we have to cancel interviews, reschedule interviews. Uh, some nights I do the interviews the hours before we publish this. And so uh, quite often, if you listen to this on a Wednesday, it's because I just recorded it just hours before. So it's about as live as it could be. And that's kind of how this episode is. Um, I was going to do something different for this episode, but the plans fell through and I was really excited too, because I, I had a, one of the professional studios here at the university of South Dakota that they were really gracious to, to loan me. Uh, but, uh, you know, all plans, uh, change and that's okay. So I, I felt this would be a good time to talk about something that's deeply personal about me, uh, to share a little bit about myself, um, and sort of how we were able to come together. So before I go, um, I, I want to acknowledge uh, a few of our listeners. So we we run this through um, SoundCloud that distributes it out to all the podcasts. And I'm able to see um, not who's listening, but where people are listening from. And I'm always charmed by seeing who, not who, but where people are listening from. And... I've had a couple consistent listeners this whole time and you know, I, I, I don't know who you are. Um, I don't know, uh, even if I know you cause I, I know people all over, um, the world. And so maybe you're a friend or maybe we're friends through this, you know, but, uh, to my, to my, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to possess anything, but to you, that's listening in Brussels. Um, just know that I, I I see you, and I so appreciate you you listening. Um, to our friend in Australia, it's the same thing. Uh, I, I I see you checking in every week. Uh, our, my Brussels friend, uh, I see you checking in every week, and uh, I, I I so appreciate it. Uh, to yeah, uh, of course the folks in Fargo, which the, where this comes out of. Thank you for for your continued support. Ironically. The city of Columbus of Ohio. I, I don't know what it is about this podcast, but um, you guys are 
uh, some weeks, uh, the biggest audience that I have. So thank you for that. Uh, I, I don't know what I did. I would love to come to Columbus and, um, do a couple episodes there. I think that'd be great. Um, but we have listeners all over San Francisco, Austin, um, Wisconsin, uh, all over the country. And so in the Southwest now, which is really wonderful. So your support is seen and it's appreciated and it's really exciting when I see um, when I see sort of the, the response every week to this so um, this is a uh, this is an episode that is um, nervous for me to put out because um, it's a little more personal than normal uh, but yeah anyways I apologize I'm recording this not from a studio but an undisclosed location near a highway so if you hear vehicles in the background um, that's just how it goes sometimes so yeah so I think uh, I think that does it for this week um, you know uh, we'll be back next week uh, yeah that does it for this episode of five plain questions um, a little personal little a uh, little more from heart to heart uh, an episode and it's going to be like this for a few episodes maybe not so much about me um, but I definitely want to talk about uh, the Northern Plains Summer Art Institute which is a legacy program of the Oscar Howe program and just know that there's efforts now to create opportunities for native uh, uh, young artists out there so but you know with all that being said I, I want to thank you again for, for joining us and spending your time listening to I guess this time my perspective story um, from this community so uh, please join us next week um, I'm going to try to put something a little a little different also and pretty special for you I'm Joe Williams you can find me at Kiana that's C-A-N-A-A creativity among Native American artists on Facebook or at Instagram where we post a lot or uh, Twitter which I'm trying to follow up on and at a plainsart.org website there you can see our past programming our current programming or past videos and these podcasts uh currently right now at, at the plains art museum is uh roger brower's things i remember and also laura youngbird's bias uh it's a new exhibition with uh, recent monoprints that she's put together for us uh it's in the creativity center check both of them out um it's it's really great having two great indigenous artists at the museum at the same time uh in July, mid-July, we're going to have a workshop for Roger Brewer. Uh, he's going to be doing a monoprint, monotype, excuse me, um, workshop. So get to the PlainsArts.org website, sign up for that workshop. It's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to be teaching it along with um, the great Amanda Height, who is our printmaster at the museum there. And so it'll be great to be able to experience that and have time with Roger, which you should not miss. If you have a suggestion for me uh, to talk to, um, message me, let me know, um, either at the website, my email address is there, um, or on uh, Facebook. And to my New England friend, or New England friend, to my Australian friend, and to my Brussels friend, um, message me. Uh, there's a couple things I want to send your way. Uh, I think it's kind of cool that you've stuck with me all this way, so that we need to be able to connect. All right, you take care, and we will see you next week.